Welcome back to Talk of the Town on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC on WHTC.com and on the WHTC app for your smartphone. Once again, here's your host, Gary Stevens. Welcome back to Talk of the Town for this Monday, February 19th. It is the third Monday of the month, which means at this time we are joined by second term Republican State Senator and current Senate Minority Whip, Roger Victory of Hudsonville on the other side of our table this morning. Roger, good morning and welcome back, sir. Good morning, Gary. What a beautiful uh, day out there. A little nippy, a little cold, but that sunshine certainly feels good. I agree with you about the sunshine. <laughs> Sun is nice. Warm is nice. Uh, but it is February 19th. We'll take cold right now. Mm-hmm. We don't need early blooms around these parts and early issues for farmers which roger victory is a commercial farmer victory farms over in hudsonville so we certainly can uh, talk about that with him and with you not only that but also legislative issues and a little political issues uh 616-395-1450 616-395-1450 before we wade into what Rogers commercial entity does, uh, shall we say coming up next month in fertilizing? (laughs) (laughs) Let us talk a little bit about a a practical thing, a nuts and bolts neighborhood type of thing. And Mm -hmm. Roger mentioned this. Um, he was attending. Was it a, was it a township meeting or a, a town, town, hall? town hall meeting in Georgetown Township? Okay, GT, the place mm-hmm. to be, uh, over at uh, their their big complex over on uh, Baldwin Street, not at Baldwin in Maine. A few years ago, they wanted to move the city hall there, and uh, that that didn't work out. But uh, as I said, we'll deal with the fertilizer stuff in a little bit. However, we talked about a thing. You talked about a thing mm-hmm. called speed limits and how it is determined and how that, to a certain extent, correct me if I'm wrong, Roger, let's just say it's been relaxed over the last few years as to um, making speed limits a little bit more motorist-friendly, perhaps at the cost of, shall we say, residential safety. Very true. Well, you present it very well. And with one of these situations affect you in your neighborhood, uh, it will raise passions. And just like in the Georgetown area on this Rosewood Road, which is a, a thorough road that got developed because it's in some subdivisions. So historically, they had like a 25-mile-an-hour speed limit in this true residential area. But Rosewood is classified as a through road. So under the 2017 latest legislation passed on speed limits and how to calculate it, uh, now the determination that w- would be from 25 to possibly up to 55 miles an hour. Well, you can understand parents with small children. Uh, there's a difference between 25 and 55, and uh, sometimes you, it doesn't have common sense to it. So I had a presentation with the state police dictating of how you know, one is the law and some oversights with the 2017 passage of uh, legislation, which where we got this uh 75 mile an hour speed limits in some of our freeways and a lot of it's called based on the 85 percent percentile uh that means they based on 85 percent of the average speed you take out the top 15 percent balance it all out and uh this is how it occurred now 
I appreciate the hard work of Representative Brad Slaw because he uh, had a bill in, in front of our Transportation Committee and thankful for it because this would allow, it doesn't solve the problem, but gives some more uh, tools into determining some of these speed limits in such in these residential areas uh, that are being overlooked and lacked just besides the speed study test. So I'm hoping to get that passed out Transportation Committee, get this signed into law. I believe the governor will sign a law. And that way, if this community wants to do their speed uh, test, they can incorporate this nuance uh, also provision in determining not just be totally based on the 85% percentile. Now, let me clarify one little thing because of the fact that I am well aware of this particular situation. We are talking about Rosewood Street between 48th, uh, between uh, 28th and mm-hmm. Uh, 36th Avenues, north of Hudsonville. From 28th to approximately City View Drive, it's 40 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. From that point west to 36th Avenue, it is 25 miles an hour. The street itself, Rosewood itself, is physically structured so that it is really a side street. It is not a roadway. Mm-hmm. However, it does go connect 28th to 36th Avenues, so that is why it is classified as, as a, a throughway. Yes. Mm-hmm. And again, the first, I would say, three-quarters of a mile, 40 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Without a center line and... You don't, there's no parking. There's really, it's really no side street parking there, but really it's, it's, it, it is basically a side street. That is, I can understand why passions are flying yeah. in that area. And just, and that was recently developed and those developments uh, in the plotting component, even in the description. So this is a 25 mile an hour speed zone. People purchase their home. Under that understanding, it's going to be a 25-mile-an-hour speed zone. They probably paid $400,000 for a newly constructed home and thought this is a good place to raise a family. Now, with the definition of through road, the speed limit has changed, and basically everyone, you know, the road commission, the township uh, areas, uh, state police, this is the law. They have to enforce the law, and that's where our job as legislators, we have the opportunity to modify or change the law but when you go into that situation every time open up that statue unintended consequences arise because uh, we discovered that before 2017 this was a plotted community and it would have the grandfathering cause would restrict that through and again we're getting caught in the weeds of it but anytime you talk about speed limits and things in lansing well all this other work on it is a, a difficult process but i really do appreciate represent brad's law taking the lead on it. I'm working on hand is on the transportation committee and uh, see and to get this law taken care of and may have to start addressing it and some other issues too. The other point I will make is the developments that in came in that area piecemeal. Mm-hmm. There was the it, building block component. It's been, it's not been one full development. It really hasn't been, shall we say development at the same time. It was like one piece was, Put in one place, then another piece came in, and another piece. Over so I a think twenty-year like, period of time, twenty uh, years. I think we're looking like three or four different pieces yes. in that particular mm-hmm. area, and you can tell by the way that the, the development is going. 
And while we might be talking about one specific development north of Hudsonville, this could happen anywhere. Uh, as we came, as we're having this town hall meeting, I went uh, talked to one of the other legislative uh, aides there from Lansing, and I said, "I think this is the tip of the iceberg. This is a road in Georgetown Township, but there are probably thousands of other roads in Michigan that this uh, unintended consequences of not having plotted communities grandfathered in under this definition." 616-395-1450. If you have a question for State House, State Senator Roger Victory, 616-395-1450. Uh, since last we chatted, the governor has presented her State of the State address, and the governor has presented her proposed fiscal 2025 budget. Having heard much of the address, and having heard some of the initial remarks about the budget, and hopefully you've had a chance to look at yep. well, yeah, a lengthy big document. Uh, can we say more of the same as what we saw in 2023-24? Yeah, uh, just a little bit less of this uh, surplus, I call it Biden bucks. So last term she had billions of dollars of Biden bucks to implement these programs. Now we're uh, still have a very robust $80 billion budget. And when I came in Lansing, it uh, seems a few years before I had the gray hair, uh, but we were talking a $47 million budget. I remember when we hit the $50 billion level, and I know there's with inflation that, but it, the growth of the government has grown extensively in Lansing. And some of this was, too, with these one-time special dollars that now they have these ongoing pro, uh, programs. And this is why I was on the air last year and will continue on even two years ago when all these proposals are. When you implement the program, you have this short-term sugar high, like a cotton candy high. But later on, when those dollars are not sustainable, they don't have a steady revenue coming in, uh, then you're going to have to take that away. And who wants to be there to take it away? And then, uh, But these are things that we have to be aware of. I, and I look over this budget process and strip out, you know, we got to get down to the basics in these programs. Again, uh, we saw that under the Grand Home Administration, and then we, and the economy f drove off the cliff. I see, uh, you know, tighter times coming. We still have a pretty strong economy here in West Michigan, but as you see, it's uh, the telltale signs where we, you know, you have those ups and downs, and we go in the down period. Uh, it's going to, you know, if they're going to get, you can't uh, cut with a scalpel, you're going to have to get that meat cleaver out, and there's going to be painful uh, situations. So, uh, and I was even one classic example, the uh, the breakfast, uh, free breakfast for uh, school kids, and even in Birmingham, and where you know where all the millionaires, uh, billionaires go. I mean, there should be some means testing to some of these programs, and, uh, and that's just pure stewards of those hardworking dollars that the taxpayers send to Lansing. Six one six three nine five fourteen fifty. If you have a question for State House Representative. And pardon me, former State House Representative, <laughs> State Senator uh, Roger Victory. It's been six years since <laughs> well, Roger's we been in this, in the, It could be Farmer Raj, Representative <laughs> Raj, or Senator Roger, but uh, okay. we'll respond. All right. Um, this is more of a federal thing. This, I got an email mm -hmm. uh, from a group called Michigan Families for Fair Care. And they're going to have a press briefing unveiling a new ad basically saying to uh, U.S. Senate hopeful John James, or shall we say U.S. Uh, Congress hopeful yeah. John James, to um, uh, uh, please, uh, uh, you know, they're going to shed light on the impact of decisions made by Representative John James 
basically, will John James commit to a no-cuts budget? Now, that's on a federal level, mm -hmm. but on a state level, uh, a group such as this might be asking minority Republicans especially, will you accept a no-cuts budget? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and, these, and this is where I go right back to my beginning uh, statement on this budget. When you implement some of these programs and when the budget uh, means are being cut or slim, especially for John James, I mean, we're, we have such a bloated federal budget that's being propped up on spending. I mean, on spending that's not sustainable and also borrowing for that spending. And it, it's, uh, it's time to be get realistic because as we compare ourselves to other nations out there, our, our, our debt to G, uh, gross national product uh, is just getting out of whack. And all I got to do is look at the country, Argentina, once the jewel of South America. I mean, that was uh, coming out of post-World War II in the 50s and early 60s. It was the powerhouse. And it is still, after the 60s, it just crashed and still haven't been able to pull itself out financially on it. And it was spending beyond its means. And we've seen this, this study of the history Going back, you know, 2,000 years, it will catch up to you. And with time, we have to make sure that uh, we focus on that spending. We're going to have to, you know, invest in national uh, and defense and uh, some of our uh, required programs, Social Security and those. But when we're looking at it, uh, what we have been doing, especially just look at the charts in the last three years coming out of COVID, all those dollars that, you know, propping up the state of Michigan. So we wouldn't have been able to implement these programs. We didn't have these federal dollars. Now we put these programs in, and it's all it's going to be coming uh, coming to an end, and it's, uh, the cliff is ahead. Now, let me bring up a couple of things involving uh, uh, state spending and state decisions that need to be made. Um, some question, and I think some of the questions come from our friends over at the Michigan Center for Public Policy, Mackinac Center mm -hmm. for Public Policy over in uh, Midland. Gary, uh, uh, now I, why can't I remember his name? Gary Glenn's group. Yes, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. that late, 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 good Gary Glenn, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've been one of the biggest critics of the Pure Michigan and the Michigan Economic Development Corporation's yeah. pouring of money for that. Um there is now a, a caucus, and Nancy DeBoer, the state house representative, is part of this, uh, trying to basically reinvigorate the tourism spending dollars mm -hmm. out of Michigan. And maybe this is a touchy subject around here because of the uh, uh, impact of tourism in these parts. But still, our economy depends on it here yeah, in Michigan. But this, not everybody in the state of Michigan mm -hmm. depends on tourism dollars, and. Some of the biggest critics are from areas that don't depend on tourism dollars, and one of them happens to be Midland, Michigan. <laughs> There's a great example is, uh, there again, we have uniqueness in the state of Michigan, and uh, I have some angst over this whole broad-based economic development, but I do believe there's some tools that need to be utilized for economic development because of the unique nature of Michigan. And But instead of this, you know, all these billion-dollar programs, I, I believe we have to be more prescriptive, such as for our tourist industry on the west side of the state of Michigan, because I always go back, what, are, what the, the economy of the state of Michigan is a three-fold economy, manufacturing, agriculture, and tourism. And uh, with that, we're thankful we have that diversity and helps prop us up. Because when we go in those economic downturns, the economy of manufacturing, agriculture can be there, and tourism. So we have to make sure that that is still strong and vigorous. And one worry about tourism, you do need those uh, promotional dollars. 
Good morning. You're on the line with Senator Victory. Thank you. Good morning, Senator Victory. Can we get some tax relief, property tax relief for senior citizens? When the nerd was in office, he lowered the amount to qualify for the homestead property tax. Mm -hmm. And as you know, property values are continuing to rise. And if a person wants to move, you know, how can you find a place? It's 400000 so you're paying tax on 200000 mm -hmm. And most places are 30-plus mills, so that's 6000 bucks just for a new place. And that's pretty hard for seniors to cough that up. You know, they give all the help to the people with little kids. You know, when we raised our children, we didn't get a dime from anybody, mm -hmm. which is fine. But now I would like to see some property tax relief measures uh, produced in Lansing. Well, I appreciate the call because there may be a, there's work on a ballot initiative that could be put on the ballot in this coming election cycle, and, but they're still working on the verbiage of uh, some very serious property tax relief. Now there's a formula there how to replace that funding, but stay tuned. That is a issue that is coming up and may be a ballot initiative uh, coming on your ballot uh, in the next probably year or two. Yeah, but is that to roll back that proposal A or whatever it is? Uh, it does. Oh, it's, this one it's, it digs right into the meat of it, yes. And we could do a whole two-hour two show on all the uh, ins and outs of it. But, uh, yeah, stay tuned, and uh, this will be a part of a bigger conversation, as this, if, especially if it gets uh, approved to get on the, uh, the yeah. ballot. And they do have the petitions, but now this guy will get the language clarified. So stay tuned. Right. Yeah, I will. But the problem with that, mm -hmm. that is the Headley Amendment is a good thing because yeah. when inflation was 9%, you know, I mean, they can't raise it more mm -hmm. than the inflation. It's capped, but, yeah. but the problem is when you're a senior and living on Social Security and a small pension, you know, a lot of states give a, you know, a dollar amount, like $15,000 off, you know, or whatever, mm -hmm. this or that. But anyway, okay, I'll keep an eye out for it. Thank you. You do, you do that. And here's another problem is uh, that takes a lot of the property off the market, too, because some folks don't want to sell their property because they have, you no know, because the Headley kept those property taxes down. Once you have that real estate sale, it uncaps that, so it brings that back up to the level. And there's that's a part of another issue of uh, having a, you know, making sure the market's fluid and having new, these properties come on the market because people are going to retain them as long as possible because that uh, cap has been kept in place and they don't want to re-hit that uh, reset button, which we see have our property values. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the mm -hmm. new homes, you know, like I oh, say, yes. are three fifty to 400000 and that makes your taxes six to $7,000 That whole reset year. button gets hit. Yep, that reset button gets pushed when you make that okay. transition. Thank you for your call. Thank you. Thank you very much for the call. 616 395 50, if you have a question for State Senate Minority Whip Roger Victory. I see the governor trumpeting, and I don't know whether, I think we touched upon this a, a while back, about the uh, pension tax and how she yeah. got that cut. And I, the point I was making is fine for those who have pensions. Yep. What about those who work that don't get pensions? S-O-L? <laughs> uh, very <laughs> You said it better than I could said it there, and uh, that and there's a true debate on the component. But I just feel you know when you do this, you're selecting one group over the other. And how can you deny that Walmart worker that's now uh, is retired and now working at Walmart and trying to have a little extra income? They pay the income tax. Well, the other one has a pension and they get that revenue revenue coming in, and they don't have to pay. And this is where again, uh, you know, more of a balanced uh, tax system. But you get these carve-outs, it gets to be problematic, and then you got those, you know, pit one against the other. 
All right, I'm going to throw this uh, smoke bomb into the thing. We only have a couple of minutes, but I will bring it in. Well, we'll heat the conversation up. We'll, we'll, keep, the, we'll keep it in, but uh, what do elected leaders, uh, elected Republicans feel about the fact that we have a new state Republican Party chairman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, right from our local area, Pete Hookstra. In fact, uh, I was talking to Pete Saturday night. Uh, bless him. He was. We were out in Waterford Township. Free. It was cold out there. It was uh, President Trump was, former President Trump was, uh, doing a little, uh, event there and it was in attendance and, uh, you know, uh, President Trump called out Pete and was appreciated him stepping forward. And I do appreciate Pete too. I know, uh, there's so many different things that you could be doing at that age, you know, getting in, re- in the retirement, but yet, uh, stepping forward, serving the state, uh, GOP party and give him credit because on a Saturday night at, uh, 8 PM, at 20 degrees out in an airplane hangar, which uh, was about all of 20, but we didn't have the wind chill there. Uh, yeah, making it happen. So uh, there, I always appreciate those who will uh, step up and take on that uh, responsibility that could just you know, sit back and enjoy life and watch Jeopardy. How much of a mess does he have to clean up? There's a lot, and there's a lot of building, and we got a uh, we have some big elections coming forward, and there's you know, passions on both sides. I understand and uh, the concerns of folks, and that's where you have to be a diplomat. And uh, Pete was an ambassador, so there's skill sets that he's going to have to really employ. He has, you know, skill sets that are above and beyond my skill set. So we'll see how that works out. But uh, President Trump was pretty appreciative. Pete called him out and by name several different times, and uh, I know they had a good meeting there, too, and see if we can get things worked out and see where we can get some harmony in the state of Michigan and the GOP party. Yeah, and, uh, and sort of uh, get the boat in the right, everybody rowing mm-hmm. in the same direction uh, ahead of the August and November yeah. elections. Dare I ask, do you like Grey Poupon? Because <laughs> 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 uh, there's a little dig from the uh, previous Republican Party chairwoman yep. about nope. there, that. I understand. <laughs> they're going to have controversy on both sides and how this procedure all went, and there's a lot of issues there. And, you know, we got some probably some good listeners here that really appreciate the uh, Christina Cramo there, too, in the area. I mean, she stepped up to the plate, ran, and was elected, but there's things of, uh, you know, there's Southern decide that we need to go another direction, and, and it's politics. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit of mud wrestling out there at times. Mud wrestling without any uh, officials in the squared circle. <laughs> <laughs> free for all on this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah free, that's a, a little mud all. wrestling and mud throwing, I might say, all at the same time. Welcome and to the game. Speaking about a Republican who would say free for all, that is what, what Ted Nugent said one time. It's a free for all. <laughs> uh, by the way, if you need to get a hold of State Senator Roger Victory, 31st District, uh, his number is uh, 517-373-6920, 517-373-6920. And the website is SenatorRogerVictory.com. That is SenatorRogerVictory.com. With that, we button up our conversation for this month with State Senator Roger Victory, the Senate Minority Whip from Hudsonville. Wish you and your family well over the next month or so. And if all goes well, we'll chat again in the month of March. Great to be on the show. <laughs> and uh, 
Yes, I just. And, uh, yeah, I, you were busy sipping your coffee. I was on my uh, yeah McCafe coffee. Yes. caught me between swells. That's, Thank you, that's Gary. That's okay, and of course we'll we might talk about the fact that Roger Victory Way is now nice and smooth. <laughs> I love that zero. road. I tell you what, uh, yeah, they, I did. I did, appreciate that. The squeaky wheel definitely Good. got Woo. the grease. <laughs> we do have CBS News straight ahead, followed by WHTC News. Final segment of WHTC's Talk of the Town. Then we'll be joined by Susie Buzo with the Evergreen Commons Report and the WHTC Midday Report at the bottom of the hour on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC.